Welcome. As we come to God's Word, let's take some time now to pray. Heavenly Father, we have heard your Word read to us, and we ask now that that Word will go from our minds to our hearts. In Holy Spirit, we ask that you will do that. Bring this Word to life, that we might see the Word of life, Jesus, and the life that is found in him. And so we ask that we will hear your words, not man's words, not my words, but yours. And so we commit our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. What do Vegemite, oysters and Jesus have in common? Well, they can be divisive. Some people love Vegemite, some people hate them, like me. Some people love oysters, some people hate them. I love them. And some people love Jesus, and some people want nothing to do with him. You have a choice with Jesus, but as you get to know him, and before you make your choice, you should always come to him on his own terms. Don't, don't decide based on what other people have said. Don't decide based on what other people do. No, see what Jesus says and see what Jesus does and then make a choice. And as we do that, we should remember who he is. And as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, Jesus is not only the word of life, but the son of God. And he is in God's business of giving life. He shares in that business with God the Father. And last week, we saw that Jesus is the bread of life. The one that you come to, to to eat and partake and enjoy and find life. And as you do that, you might wonder, well, what does that look like for me today? What does that look like to find life in Jesus? Well, that's what our passage today unpacks. Let's just set the scene here. We have this feast. Uh, this festival, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Booths. Um, and it's a, it's a week-long festival where the Jews would remember what God had done for them in the wilderness. Uh, you may know the story of the Exodus where the Israelites are freed from slavery in Egypt. And they journey through the wilderness for 40 years before they arrive in the Promised Land. And during those 40 years, God provides for them all along the way. And last week, we saw that Jesus draws a connection to the Exodus. And he draws connection with the bread that God provided them, the bread from heaven, manna. And Jesus connects the dots and he calls himself the bread of life, the bread from heaven. And he's going to do something similar today. So that's the backdrop 
But let's see how this story unfolds. We begin with a scene with Jesus and his brothers. His brothers want him to go uh, to, to this festival and to show off, basically. They want him to uh, show himself to the world, as they say. Because they think, actually they don't think, they don't believe that Jesus is the one who he says he is. They've seen him grow up. They're his brothers. They're skeptical. They don't believe him. How is my brother anyone significant? But so they, they turn to Jesus and say, Well, why don't you go? Show yourself to the Lord. Prove to them who you say you are. But Jesus responds, My time is not here yet, or my hour is not here yet. Because they don't understand that Jesus is working on a timeline. Jesus isn't just going about trying to build his popularity. Right? He's, he's not about the, the number of likes and clicks and subscribers. No, he's got, a, he's got a plan. And he's going to carry out that plan in his own time. So after this discussion, he stays back. The brothers go to the festival like good Jews do. Um, and during this festival, the, the crowd is looking for him. And we're told that Jesus does go to the festival, but not publicly, but secretly. Jesus still goes, but he goes on his own terms, in his own time. And so he goes. And it's only halfway through the festival, verse 14, that Jesus shows up in public. So it's a week long, he shows up in the middle of the week, and then he begins to teach. As he does that, he causes a reaction. He, res- he causes a response from the crowd. Because those who hear it are amazed and ask, how can this man get such learning without having been taught? No one, no one knows where Jesus has been taught. They, they know all the, the master rabbis, they know all the, the good teachers, but Jesus isn't one of their students. So how is it that he can teach so well? Well, Jesus unpacks where his learning comes from. And in doing so, he divides the crowd. Right? We see what unfolds and we see that he divides the crowd. Some think he's crazy. But some are amazed and some put their faith in him. Well, in all of this, uh, the the Jewish leaders haven't yet stepped up to the plate. They they want to kill him. We actually see this in in chapter 5. They want to kill him because of his actions. Right? He heals a man on the Sabbath. He claims to be equal with God. And so they want to kill him. But they haven't put a laid a finger on him yet. And But then the crowd starts to respond and react. And they start saying things like, is this really the Messiah? Is this really the Christ? And because of that, the crowd stirs up the leaders to respond. Because now, well, they can't just let this man go about freely. Because now it brings into question their authority. 
And so we're told that the Pharisees and the chief priests sent guards to arrest him. Verse 32. But even this collection of guards are divided. This representative of Jewish leaders are divided. And we see this at the end when the the guards return. The Pharisees and chief priests ask, why didn't you bring him in? And the guards replied, no one ever spoke the way this man does. And see, one of the things about this story is that it shows that Jesus divides. Like Vegemite and oyster, Jesus divides opinion. Some love it, some hate it. And we see in the crowd this division, we see in the leaders this division. And that's what Jesus does. But why does he do that? Why does he divide people? Well, let's go back to the beginning where he's talking with his brothers. He says in verse 7, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Why? Because I testify that its works are evil. Right? The brothers don't get this. They don't understand that Jesus is in the business of giving life. But in the business of giving life, well, one of the things that Jesus does is have to remove things that take away life. And one of those things is this evil, this brokenness, this sin. See, in order for Jesus to give life, he has to take away sin. He has to remove sin out of the picture in order for people to find life. But because of that, people are going to hate him. People are going to reject him. People are going to turn their backs on him. Because, see, what Jesus will do is he's going to challenge people's way of life. He's going to challenge people in what they value in life. He's going to challenge the status quo. And that's what he does. Because as we see through this story, there are those who who hold on to this religion. Right? Jesus uses the example of his healing on the Sabbath. Right? He, he talks about the law from Moses. And people want to do the ritual. They want to do the religion. They want to follow a formula and think that that will give them life. Right? They want to earn. We saw this last week. Right? People came to him and said, how do I earn this life? But Jesus says, no. You can't do that. It doesn't work. And then we have the Jewish leaders, these elites of society who have authority and power, who who hold on to this culture that they have. And because Jesus challenges that, they want to kill him. Now, it may not be so extreme for you and me, But see, Jesus will still do that. Jesus is going to challenge you and me in the way that we seek life. Where do you you seek to find life? Where do you seek to earn life? What are you holding on to that you think will give you life? Might be your work or your potential career or 
That might be your relationships. It might be your families. It might be your kids. It might be your material possessions. It might be the hobbies that you enjoy. It might be the things. What is it? What is it that you think will give you life? What do you think that it is that will give you meaning and purpose? Is it the number of people who who like your posts on social media, who follow you, who comment on, on your things? Is it the, the appraise and approval that you get from people at work? Is it the success of your children? Is it the religion that you have of coming to church and doing church and faith and what is it that you think gives you life? Because see, if it's not Jesus, if it's not of Jesus, Jesus is going to challenge that. And he's going to put you in a corner where you need to decide. He's going to put you in a difficult spot to decide, where do I get life? I've got Jesus here and all this stuff here. And Jesus wants to get rid of that stuff so that you can have life in him. But if you don't get that, or if you don't like that, Jesus doesn't seem all that appealing. And as he says here, you might hate him. But how can you trust Jesus? How can you believe that Jesus has your best intention at heart? How can you trust that what he says is true? That this life that he's offering you will truly satisfy? Well, Jesus teaches as he appears at the festival, he teaches and people are amazed. And this is how he responds. My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. That's God the Father. The one who is in the business of giving life. And anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. And this is the thing to pay attention to, right? Verse 18. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Let's not even talk about Jesus for a moment. Let's talk about listening to me. Why should you listen to what I am saying? Well, the question to ask according to Jesus is, am I trying to gain personal status? Am I trying to gain personal favour? Am I trying to gain something for myself? And that is a question that you need to ask. As I speak, do you see me seeking my own glory? I hope not. Because see, I want you to find life. I want you to find the truth. I want you to find Jesus. And the only way that I can do that with integrity and with any sense of success is telling you that I can't give that to you. I can't give you life. I can't make any promises for you. 
But I do know the one who can, and that's Jesus. But Jesus says this of himself. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. And so what you need to do with Jesus is go, is he trying to gain personal glory in what he says and does? Now, you have to make the distinction. Jesus draws attention to himself. He, he says, I am the bread of life. Come to me. If you're hungry, come to me. And later he's going to say, if you're thirsty, come to me. But you have to make a distinction between is he seeking personal glory or is he seeking the glory of God? Is he seeking the glory of God the Father? And what you need to understand, what you need to distinguish is that in Jesus saying, come to me, is that he understands and he believes that only by coming to him can you find life. There is no other way. Because only he knows the Father. All through John, we've seen this, that Jesus alone knows the Father. Right? And because he knows the Father, he wants to make the Father known to you and me. He wants to, to make the Father known to all people so that they can find life. He's not in it for himself. He's in it so that you can find life in God. But you need to make that distinction for yourself. Do you see that Jesus is in the business of giving life? Life that is found from God. So that's the question we need to ask. Is Jesus in it for himself? Or is he in it? For you. So Jesus, he, he, he turns the question around. He puts the decision in our hands. Am I trustworthy, he says. Can you trust me? Because if you can, I can offer you life. How do we get that life? Jump down to verse 33. Jesus said, I am with you for only a short time. And then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. And again, we're reminded that Jesus is thinking on a different timeline. Jesus is thinking about life on different terms. Because no one understands him. Right? Verse 35, we see that they're confused. They don't understand what he says. But what is Jesus talking about? Well, Jesus says, I am with you for only a short time. And if you know the story of Jesus' life, well, from the moment he shows up on the public scene, he's only around for three years. That's not a long time. Three years is not a long time. And then what's going to happen? He says, I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Jesus is talking about the end of his earthly life. The end of his earthly life is marked with death. It is his death on the cross that will give us life. Because it is on, in his death that he does away 
with the brokenness, with the evil, with the sin of the world. Right? It is on the cross that in giving his life, Jesus is able to offer life to you and me. I am going to be with you for only a short time because I am going to the cross. And then after that, I am going to the one who sent me. What will happen is Jesus will die. He will rise from the dead, but he won't stick around. No, he is going back to God the Father. He is going back to heaven to be with God the Father. Now he says something interesting. He says, where I am, you cannot come. That's interesting. Because what Jesus is doing is showing us that only there is only one way. There is only one way to get to God. And that is through Him. Jesus is later going to say that when He goes, He's going to prepare a place for people. He's going to prepare a place for those who put their trust in Him. But we're not there yet. First, He has to go to the cross to die for our sins, to die for the sins of the world, to get rid of that. And then, make the way possible to join him with God the Father in heaven. Well, that sounds all great, but how does that change life today? Well, Jesus says, verse 37, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Like he does in the previous chapter, last week we saw this, anyone who is hungry Come to me and eat. Right? Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And he says these words again, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Well, that's all great, but he 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 continues. Right? Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. What Jesus is saying is that when you believe in him, there's this spring that wells up. There's this fountain that wells up and it satisfies your thirst, satisfies your hunger for life. How does that happen though? Well, John throws in this comment. Verse 39, by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. This spring, this fountain, the, this river of living water that flows from within is the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And we receive him by believing in Jesus. Do you see what? Do you see how this works? If you're hungry, if you're thirsty for life, you come to Jesus and you believe in Him. You put your faith in Him, and what happens? Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you His own Spirit, the Spirit of God, to be with you, to live in you. And when that happens, when you have the Spirit, it gives you life. 
it, it's like a spring. It's like a fountain that just wells up and it overflows with life. But that first step is to believe, to believe and to trust in Jesus. And when you do that, you, you have this spirit that's like a fountain, that's like this spring. And it's, the, the, the phrase here is rivers of living water. You imagine a, a single fountain and it, you, you're pumping rivers of water through that. It's going to shoot jets of water. Right? This isn't just a trickle of life. No, this is a spring. It, it, it's overflowing with life. That's what the Spirit is meant to do. When you believe and trust in Jesus, it's meant to overflow with life. Now, Jesus is building this image. But he, he, he's... Remember that the backdrop here is this festival, this festival of tabernacles. And it's a festival that celebrates God's provision for people in the wilderness, the Israelites as they go through the wilderness. And we read about this in Exodus 17. Okay, and back there we read that the people have come to Moses who uh, has led them out from Egypt, out of slavery, and they're in the wilderness and they're thirsty. Right, God has given them bread from heaven to eat. He's satisfied that. But now they're thirsty. And as they're going through, they, they start quarreling. They start arguing and grumbling to Moses. It's like, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Now, here's the, here's the strange thing. They've just seen God... Provide for them daily bread from heaven. And they're grumbling to Moses, we're thirsty, we want water. And they're grumbling about this. Just hold on a second. Here God has given them bread and they're complaining about thirst. Moses turns to God and says, what do I do? Well, God instructs Moses to strike a rock nearby and out of this rock flows water. And I can imagine for some it was living water. It was a fresh breath of air to, to see water. And to, to think, we're not going to die. But see, I think it gives us this illustration that we can have... Jesus. We can know Jesus. We can even say that we believe in Jesus. But the question is, do you trust Jesus? Do you trust that God, who has sent Jesus, his own son, to give us life, will do that? Will you trust that Jesus, who says, I am the bread of life, to give you life? Do you trust that Jesus says, who says, I will give you the spirit who will be like rivers of living water to quench your thirst for life. Do you trust him? Do you trust him to do that? Because it's one thing to say you believe. It's a whole other thing to live 
It's a whole other thing to put that faith in Jesus into action. Do you believe that Jesus will satisfy your hunger and your thirst? Because see, what Jesus is going to do in offering you life, what he's going to do is he's going to challenge the sin in your life. He's going to challenge the evil. He's going to challenge the brokenness in your life. And he's going to go, let me take this away. I am going to the cross. I am going to die for you. But the only way that you're going to get life, the only way that your hunger and your thirst is going to be satisfied is if you let me take that away. Because if I can't take that away, you're still going to hunger and thirst. Because like the Israelites, they'd seen God give them bread from heaven and they still go, I am thirsty. Do you? Hunger and thirst for life. And will you let Jesus satisfy that? Or are you keep going to keep going to the things that don't satisfy? Are you going to seek life in other things? Things that are broken, things that are, that are evil, things that just will not give you life. Whether that's your job, whether that's your financial position, whether that's your your parenting, your the, the the your kids and how well they're doing, what you achieve in your studies or in your work, those things aren't a reflection of who you are and the life that God wants for you. Those things do not give you a grade in life. Those things are part of life, yes. But they are not the things that we should measure life on. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe you're seeking life in the praise and the acceptance of other people. Maybe you're, you're looking to, to reach some status or some level of achievement in your abilities and your knowledge and maybe you're you're trying to be a good Christian. You're going to church, you're reading your Bible, you're praying and you're doing all this Christian stuff. But you're missing Jesus. themselves are bad. It's, it's great to have people who love you and appreciate you and, and praise you and encourage you. It's great to have jobs that are rewarding and it's great to, to know that you have the material wealth and possessions to live comfortably. They're all great things. It's great to get good marks at school. It's great to know stuff. It's, it's great to, to Know your Bible. It's great to have these great spiritual disciplines. To love church. It's, it's great to have all these things. But they don't satisfy you. They don't give you life. Jesus says, if you're hungry, if you thirst for life, come to me. And when you come to me, when you believe in me, I will give you the spirit that is like rivers of of living water. Rivers of living water will flow from within you. That's where life is. 
But see, you can hear all this stuff. And you go, oh, that sounds nice. And the question is, well, how are you going to respond? Because see, right after this, the crowd responds in different ways. Some say that he is a prophet. Some say that he's the Messiah. And some just don't believe. See, maybe you think that Jesus is just a good man, a good teacher, and you can learn some good morals and ethics and values for life. And maybe for a time you go, hey, I'm succeeding at life. I'm, look at how good I am. But at some point you're going to burn, you're going to crash, and, and you're going to realize, actually, I'm not that good. I can't keep this up. This is tiring. This is frustrating. And I've heard the frustration. You know, in this time of isolation, people are doing their best to, to protect themselves and protect others around them. And they're doing the right things. They're, they're listening to the government there and they're protecting themselves and others. But then they go and do the essential things like go to the shops and they, they just see people flaunting these restrictions. And they get frustrated. And I hear you. It's really frustrating when you go out and you see people who just don't have any appreciation for the law, for the restrictions that are going on. It frustrates me when, when people just speed past and have no consideration for the people around them. And there's, there's a rightness to that. There's, it's not self-righteous necessarily, but there's, there's a righteous attitude that we should have about life. But what we have to understand is that that in itself is not life. That in itself does not give life. Right? You can follow the rules. You can follow the law, just like these Jews do. But it's not going to give you life. Right? Jesus is more than just a good man. He's more than just a good teacher. He's not just going to give you morals and ethics for a good life. No, he wants to give you life. Life that satisfies your hunger and your thirst. I'm thirsty right now. <coughs> Jesus wants to satisfy the cravings of your soul. But you can't do that on your own terms. And see, Jesus is, Jesus is going to cause you to make a choice. Are you going to believe him or not? Because see, if you do, then he's going to start rubbing up against some of those things in life that you value, that you treasure. He's not necessarily going to remove them. He's not going to make you some poor beggar. But he does want to take away the worth and the value that you hold onto to wealth or material possessions. He's not going to take away your friends and your family. But it might cause you to realize that, that that's not what you, you should be seeking. It's, it's not the relationships that make you, that, that give you life. <laughs> 
See, Jesus wants to free you from all those things. And whatever it is that, you're, that you hold on to or that you're seeking to find life in, Jesus wants to set you free. See, the irony is that Jesus points back to the Exodus and the people grumbled and complained. And they point back to, to Egypt and they say, why are you taking us away from this? So that we can die from hunger and thirst? But what you have to remember is that hunger, that, that the food and the drink that they had in Egypt also came with slavery. And while we may not have physical slavery, there is the slavery to sin. And Jesus wants to free you from that. And you might go, but I was satisfied. I, was, I wasn't hungry. I wasn't thirsty. And Jesus says, that might be true, but you were a slave. You were a slave to sin. And Jesus wants to go, I can offer you food and drink without the slavery. I can offer you life without the slavery. And he wants to set us free. And he does that. He does that by going to the cross. Right? He says, I am with you for a short time and then I am going to the one who sent me. And he's pointing forward to the cross when he will go and die for you and me. Where he will shed his blood, where his body will be broken. And last week he says, eat my flesh, eat of my body, drink my blood and find life. Partake of me. Take me into your life and you will be satisfied. Without the slavery, without the sin, you will be satisfied. And he does that by giving us the spirit. How do you want to live? Do you want to live satisfied to a degree with the slavery that binds you, the, the stress, the pressure, the anxiety, the, the constant pursuit of performance and the constant pursuit of wanting more, the constant pursuit of striving for something that you can't reach. Do you want to live like that? Or do you want to live free? Without that pressure, without that burden weighing on you and satisfied in life. Yes, you might not be rich. You might not be famous. You might not be popular. You might not get the best grades in school. You might not climb the corporate ladder. You might not always get everything right. You might not have a perfect day, day after day. But with Jesus, you can live without those worries. You can live without that anxiety. You can live without that burden. Now, that's not to say that we're always going to get it right, that we're, not, that we're always going to be perfect. And See, there's the life that Jesus offers and the battle that we fight to live that life. Because I don't know about you, but I mess up day after day. There are, I've got Jesus. I've got this life that he's promised. And sometimes I forget. I forget that here he is and he's given me bread and, 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 and drink. And, and I forget to, to come to him and my day just ends up being a mess. But here's the difference. Because at the end of the day, 
you can get all broken up, you can get all riled up that you've messed up, that you've totally just wasted and ruined a day. But then Jesus comes and says, hold on a second. I've got life. Just, just come to me. I've got life. I've, I am the bread of life. And if you believe in me, I will give you this spirit that will be like rivers of living water. And at the end of the day, you can go, yep, there's life in Jesus. And I'm going to come back to him and go, take, take this burden, take this pressure away. Take it off me. And as you do that, as you surrender that to him, as you turn that over to him, you remember and you rediscover that, actually, this is better than, than this endless striving and pursuit of something that I can't get. At the end of the day, you don't have to be weighed down by the stress of life. You don't have to be weighed down by the worries of life. You can come to Jesus and say, it's been a bad day, but you know what? I want to I feed on you. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want my hunger and my thirst to be satisfied by you. And when you do that, the Spirit just overflows with life. But it only happens when you come to Jesus and you let him take away those things. Now, if you're like me, that's a daily affair. That's a daily exercise of coming to Jesus and going, here are my worries, here are my stresses, here are my anxieties, here are the things that are weighing on me, Jesus. Let me come to you. And you can do that multiple ways. You can do that by just coming to him and, and speaking to him. We call that prayer. You can do that by, by opening his words and going, Jesus, what, what do you have to say about life? You can do that in, in speaking with others who will speak the words of Jesus, who will remind you and encourage you of the words of Jesus and, and point you back to him and go, hey, that's where life is found. That's why we need each other. To, to speak the words of Jesus. When those pressures of life come and say, hold on, hold on brother, hold on sister. There's, there's life in Jesus. You're hungry for life. But go to Jesus. You can do that in creation, in music, in, in so many ways. You, you, to, to just turn your eyes, to turn your mind on Jesus and go, I just need to, to be satisfied by you. But here's the thing. When you do that, Jesus is going to require a response. There. Jesus is like Vegemite and oysters. You take it or you leave it. But see, here's the difference though. You can live without Vegemite. You can live without oysters. You can live without a lot. But the question is, can you live without Jesus? For me, I can't. I can't live without Jesus life would be too much I don't know what you've experienced and what you've gone through in life but if you're anything like me you can't do it on your own maybe you've gotten so far 
but I can't do it. I can't do life without Jesus. And that's the question that you need to answer. Can you do life without Jesus? Can you be completely satisfied with life without Jesus? If you can, well, that's amazing. I'd love to know the secret. But I've tried a lot of things in life. And nothing works. They just weigh you down with more and more stuff. And even just trying to be tough, trying to be strong, there's a limit. Can you do life without Jesus? I don't know. But here Jesus is, and he offers us life. He, he offers us bread, he offers us drink, and it satisfies our soul. It satisfies your soul. Will you come to him? Will you find life in him? And will you let him clean out the junk? Clean out all that stuff that, that's not going to give you life. Will you let him do that? Let's pray. Jesus, we just come to you now and ask that you would help us. Help us to see the life that is available in you. Help us to see how other things just don't measure up. Help us to see that clearly. Help us to see that when we believe in you, that the Spirit, you give us the Spirit, and that Spirit wells up to life. Holy Spirit, will you well up in life, like the, the spring, of the, the fountain of life, will you, will you just overflow in, in us now? Reminding us that life can only be, that, that real life, that free gift of life can only be found in Jesus. And Father, we thank you that in your goodness and your faithfulness that you have made that available to us in Jesus. And we just ask that you would open our eyes to see that. And we just commit it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.